Bruce Lawn. One of my favorite books in the New Testament uh, is the Gospels. Obviously, there's a collection of books, but specifically the Gospel of Luke, which I think is actually very helpful in, in a variety of different ways. And so I wanted to take some time out and I wanted to jump into this, this passage and I wanted to address a couple of things. One, how can we be certain of the writings in the Gospels and, and, and the New Testament letters? And two, the, the, the second question, which has always kind of been a conundrum to me, is did Jesus have to grow? Did Jesus have to um, develop or was he 100% God? And how did that work together? And I don't have the answer to that. But I just figured, hey, I want to go through this chapter by chapter with you guys, verse by verse with you guys. And let's see if y'all really about it. Because some of y'all be like, let's do Bible studies. And I'll be like, I don't know if you guys really want Bible studies, but I'm willing to give it a shot. All right, so let's go for it. So Luke was a physician who wrote the Gospel of Luke, and he also wrote uh, the book of Acts, right? And he uh, approaches this extremely different than the other Gospels. He approaches this with a—he's almost like an investigative journalist. The, the amount of details he gives, right? The amount of— um, the, the, the amount of insight he gives. I'm reading through the New Living Translation right now. It, 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 to me, it's the, the easiest one to read through. We're going to read through it. Um, and I think there's other ones that we could pull up. I like the ESV if I'm going to study. I really like going to the Blue Letter Bible and looking up like the Greek and the Hebrew. But um, for the sake of time, uh, the, the, I think the New Living Translation will suffice. So Luke chapter 1. Verse 1, it says, Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They used the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. I love how he opens with this, right? Straight like investigative journalist vibes, right? Um, so you can be certain of the truth, certain of the truth of everything you were taught. And Luke was not an apostle with Jesus. He didn't walk with Jesus. He's someone that comes around later and he's traveling with some of the apostles and he goes back and he puts this, this letter together as a way to, to help the early church be certain of this, right? And so this is also interesting. Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. Many people, we have three other gospels, but I wonder if that means that there were other letters that maybe never made it into scripture, right? That's an interesting. Maybe maybe those uh, books got burnt. Maybe the manuscripts got lost. That's really interesting to me that, that, that he starts off. And then he says, verse two says, they used the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. So there were eyewitnesses reports. Again, Paul cites the eyewitnesses eyewitnesses in 1 Corinthians 15. And so the attention of detail in this is wild. Like it's, it's very specific. And I appreciate this about Luke. So then he goes into uh, when Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order. I'm terrible with some of these names, guys, so just bear with me. Abijah and his wife, Elizabeth, was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes. Um, uh, were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commands and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burnt, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the incense. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw 
when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and your son, uh, and you are to name him John. You will you will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or an alcohol or alcoholic or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. A couple of things to point out. One, this is about the, the John the Baptist, not the beloved uh, disciple John. It's about John the Baptist, cousin of Jesus. And it says that he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, that's interesting because... Um, the Holy Spirit came to us after, right? After Jesus ascended to heaven, he said he's going to send us Holy Spirit. So this is a very interesting concept. I don't quite know what it means. Does it mean that John was just that, you know, set apart as a, a prophet? Um, did he have, did he was able to experience the Holy Spirit the way we get to experience the Holy Spirit? Now, it's very interesting, right? It's very interesting that, that he points this out. And he says, and he will turn Many Israelites to the Lord God, he will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. So he'll have this, this, this correlation to Elijah in the Old Testament. Elijah was an Old Testament prophet. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord, right? He's preparing people for who? For Jesus. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Whew, I love this. Uh, Zechariah said the angel said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now and my wife is well along in her years. This reminds me of Abraham and his wife, Sarah, or before their names changed, right? Similar type of situation, older in life, and God allows them to to bear children, right? Uh, Then the angel said, I'm Gabriel. Interesting that this is one of the few times that an angel introduces himself by name, right? I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. Good news, good news, constantly good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For many words will be certainly, uh, excuse me, for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. So Zechariah, you know, he's questioning, he's asking questions. I don't think they were like malicious questions. And the angel's like, you know what? You're just not going to speak until the child's here because you're going to know my words are certain, right? Uh, And it says, meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. He has this encounter with God. It's it's, it's wild. He gets put in time out. (laughs) That's a great way to put it. Uh, When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence, he he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterward... Uh, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she explained. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. Being fertile was a big deal at the time. Verse uh, 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent, an angel, uh, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee. Now, Galilee was not like a plush super fireplace, right? Galilee was was kind of the hood. Like Galilee, uh, the men from Galilee were common men. They were regular men. They were not um, prestigious. They were, they were, they were, they were not well-educated. Galilee was, was kind of a rough area, right? And it says, to a virgin named Mary, she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed. <laughs> confused and disturbed. Imagine an angel showing up to you. You'd be confused and disturbed too, right? Mary, 
uh, tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you will name him Jesus. He will be very great. And will be called, and, and God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. Right, One of the prophecies of who Jesus was going to be in the Old Testament was he was going to be a, a descendant of King David. right? King David, David and Goliath. Uh, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. They were expecting, because of this language, because of the, the prophecy in the Old Testament, they were expecting a literal physical kingdom. And, you know, plot twist, right? <laughs> Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month for the word of God will never fail. So, you have one miracle happening in, in Elizabeth, who's a, a barren and she's of old age, similar to Sarah and Abraham. And then you have Mary, who's a virgin, who, you know, supernaturally gets pregnant. There's really two miracles here for both of these women to be pregnant. Obviously, Mary's is more escalated, right? This is like, wow, she's a virgin. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. Um, may everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. Mary visits Elizabeth, right? Verse 39, a few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah uh, lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Elizabeth gave a cry and explained to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord, that the mother of my Lord should visit me when I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You were blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. And then it's, there's, a, there's a, a song of praise on Mary's response. Mary responds with some, with some bars, right? Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now, all, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. So Mary... Is a, is a lowly servant girl. She's a, probably a teenager in this context, right? And then she says she'll be blessed, you know, for all generations moving forward. For the mighty one is holy and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with... Uh, with empty hands, he has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful for he made his, this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to, uh, to her own home. And then Elizabeth, uh, when it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoicing with her when the baby was eight uh, days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. That's what the Jews did then. They wanted to name him Zechariah after his father, but Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. What? They explained. There's no one in all your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's fa uh, the, the ask the baby daddy <laughs> what he wanted to name him. He motioned for a written tablet to everyone's surprise. His name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again. Yo, this man didn't speak for like nine months, bro. Wild. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again, and he began praising God. Off 
fell upon all the whole neighborhood and the news of what had happened spread throughout Judea. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, what will this, uh, what, what will this child turn out to be for the hand of the Lord surely upon him in special ways? Um, let me see how much longer we got. I'll, I'll just finish this part real quick. Zechariah's prophecy. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord God, because he has visited and redeemed people. He has sent up a mighty Savior from royal lines of servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies, uh, one, so we can serve God without fear and holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. Live, and you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High God because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins because of God's mercy. So the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide guide us to the path of peace. John grew up and became strong in spirit and he lived in the wilderness until he began his public ministry in Israel. What I love about this is this story starts with a spark. There's a lot going on. Double miracles, right? Elizabeth is old. Mary is uh, young. Interesting. Um, uh, Zechariah, his, his father is mute for the entire pregnancy crazy then he starts speaking he's prophesying the mary visits elizabeth the baby jumps elizabeth becomes filled with the spirit this this is a big 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 start to to this to this journey right and then chapter two which i'll probably get into tomorrow is the birth of jesus which is great and this entire opening part is is miraculous but what we'll find what we'll find and oftentimes what i'll find in my life is when i experience that salvation that youth of my salvation that joy of my salvation initially right initially um you, you, you tend to have these great visions of how this is all going to play out. And remember, they were expecting a literal, physical kingdom. They were expecting that, 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 that this, 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 this king was going to come. He was a miraculous child. He was going to redeem Israel. He was going to establish a physical kingdom. And then a couple things happened. This thing didn't play out the way they thought long term. They, they married this then seeing her son Jesus crucified. Remember, she got this prophecy about him 33 years ago or however many years ago exactly we don't know um and that had to have been like what like you know again the apostles the disciples they believed him aside they were expecting a literal kingdom but two two think about the the day-to-day after this situation think about the day-to-day after the birth right big spark big vision god showing up there's angels there's prophecy there's this and then there's babies and they weren't like, you know, as, as far as we know, like they weren't like supernatural babies that didn't need to be fed or clothed or changed. They were babies. They were babies for a while. And they had to be cared for. And they were, then they were kids. And then they were, you know, they were toddlers. Then they were kids. Then they were young, young men. And, and, and then they worked mundane jobs, right? You know, John was in the wilderness, which is wild. Like, you know, your, your, your son is supposed to be this prophet. And then you're like, wait a minute, this fool is living out in the wilderness? Like, that's that's interesting, right? And Jesus, they say he was the carpenter's son. That would allude that Jesus was probably a carpenter. And I don't mean to give the whole story away. I mean, many of us are familiar with it. But this is all really, really interesting 
that it starts with this big old like boom. This is great prophecies, angels, miracles, all this stuff. And then, you know, it's a it's a pretty regular mundane story in life probably for that next, you know, 20 years or however long until these guys started their public ministries. My question to you guys, and then I want to hear from you guys in the comments, is when your salvation and your journey started with God, did you, (laughs) was there a part of you that became let down because it didn't maintain the maybe the level of emotional high that it did when you were first close to Jesus? right? That first salvation, that those first experiments, experiences, right? Was there, was there a part of you, was, was there ever a part of you that was let down, right? But the beautiful part about the quote unquote let down is in the mundane, in the mundane is where we develop, right? Is, is where we develop. Now, granted, Jesus was the son of God, God in the flesh, um, and John was, you know, says, says they had the spirit, the energy of Elijah. Um, but they went on and they were babies and toddlers and all these different things. Right. And so I'm curious from you guys. And, and, and is that, and did that bum you out? Like, and, and are you still chasing some of you still chasing that initial spark and that initial emotional high, you know, that initial emotional high where God maybe, uh, let you experience a, a, a different degree of his presence, you know, initially, and then it's like, yeah, bro, now you got to go, you know, be a baby and, and then be a kid and then be a teenager. And gosh, we know how messy all that, that is, right? <laughs> and then you're like 30 and then you finally like start your public ministry, right? Not to say everybody's going to have a public ministry, but hopefully this is resonating with some of us. Like hopefully this is resonating to some of us that sometimes we can idolize experiences and God allows experiences, but I think they're the experiences aren't intended to sustain us. The experiences are intended to, to be that spark initially. And then we have to lean in and have him be our sustenance. We have to lean in and have him be the one that, that, that we're dependent on, right? Because it's not just going to be all emotional highs and roses and butterflies and good things. Mainstream entertainment. Bruce Lawn. Need an overhaul, we need an overhaul Joshua the king came down and bore it off Conversations front of the fireplace I know a few things, never claim to know it all Conversations front of the fireplace Joshua the king came down and bore it off Conversations front of the fireplace I know a few things, never claim to know 